Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. So we're starting a brand new series called Strong Tower. And really the heart of this series is we want to know the name of our God. We, that's really behind this. We want to know the name of God. What is his name? And the reason why we need to know his name is because when we understand who God is, then we can understand his fullness, his capacity, his strength, his beauty, his justice, his mercy. Maybe for you today, as, as you've seen on the screen and in the wall in the back, that know God, you don't yet know God. Like, really know him. And so today's a great Sunday for you to get to know the name of God. And this series is coming from one verse that we'll read all month long, and I believe at the end of September, we will know it not just here, but in our hearts. And it's Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10. It says, The name of the Lord is a— Would you say those words with me? Strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. The name of the Lord— is a strong tower. Now, in this single verse, I want to highlight a promise and a problem with the verse. So here's the promise that we see in Scripture. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. That when we run to the name of God, we find safety. We find refuge. His name is that fortified tower for us to go to. That's the promise. And here's the problem. I'm going to be honest. How often do we actually run to the name of God, especially in the midst of heartache or crisis or confusion? See, there's, there's a promise here, and there's an invitation here for us to run to him, but I found in my own life too often I'm not running to the name of God. I'm running to some other names. This isn't any of you. I'm just going to suggest the names I run to, okay? I'm not trying to offend anyone this morning. It's just me. But I will run to the name of comfort. The end of a long day will say things like, I just need to take the edge off. I just need to forget the day. I just need to relax and unplug. And in those moments, the question is, are we running to comfort? And that might be uh, in the form of substances, in the form of Netflix binging, in the form of just my luxury items but it's easy to run to the name of comfort. It could be that you run to the name of approval. You ever meet someone who is a little rude? It's Long Island. They're everywhere, guys. They're all in this room. We're all here. And you just meet someone. They didn't say thank you, and I held the door open for them, and, and they cut me off in traffic, or it was a coworker or a family member or a friend. And so at the end of that day or during that day, I might run to the name of approval. I might look to myself and approve of myself. I might surround myself with my bias-created friend circles that will just affirm what I believe and know. It could be that we run to the name of money, success, achievement, power. There are so many names for us to run to. The name of career, the name of retirement, the name of my home. They're, they're everywhere. The problem with those names, and you know this is true, is that those names are not a strong tower. On their best day, those names are nothing more than a house of cards. And all it takes is a little bit of wind, one pull, 
And that name that might have been good, family, relationship, friend, it might have been good, but it just takes a little bit of pressure to show that's not a strong tower. So we want to run to the name of the Lord who is a strong tower. But before we can run to his name, we have to ask a very basic question. What is his name? What is the name of the Lord? And so this morning, as we start this series, we're going to let God tell us what his name is. And if you've never asked this question before, or if you're, you know, I'm not too sure about this, or can we actually ask God what his name is? Well, we're not going to ask it first. We're going to look at someone who asked it on our behalf. We're going to turn to Scripture this morning, and we're going to read about a man named Moses who asked this very question, what is the name of the Lord? What is your name? And as we discover his name, my prayer for you today is that something would stir up in your heart to say, maybe I've been running to a name that is a house of cards, not a strong tower. Or maybe I've been running to the Lord, but it's not the Lord who has revealed himself. It's my own definition of the Lord. Let's just let him tell us what his name is. So a little background on Moses. Uh, you may be familiar with him if you've seen the Prince of Egypt or the Ten Commandments or, or some depiction of Moses. But some backstory, he was born a Hebrew, born Jewish, but he was raised in an Egyptian culture. So I would venture to say maybe a little bit of identity crisis there. Like, who am I? What's my own name? And as Moses gets older, he comes into a moment where he murders someone. You didn't know Moses was the murderer, did you? You just thought he was the guy that part of the Red Sea. Moses murders someone and hides his body in the sand, hoping no one will find out. And Pharaoh finds out and puts a, a a, a warrant out for Moses' arrest and wants him killed. So Moses then goes from being a murderer to a runaway. He flees Egypt, where he spends the next decades of his life, settles down, finds a good wife, has children, starts being a shepherd to some sheep, and it's almost as if his messy past is left behind in Egypt, and now he's just, he's got new names to live for. The name of family, the name of comfort, job security. Sheep are always going to need a shepherd. I mean, he, he's doing good. And it's on one of these days with that story where we'll pick up in Exodus chapter 3 verse 1 to see what happens. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not, say those words with me, burn up. The, the bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed by the fire. So Moses thought in verse 3, I will go over and see this strange sight why the bush does not burn up. It's an interesting Wednesday for Moses. This isn't normal. He's out tending the sheep near what is called the mountain of God and notices this bush that is clearly on fire and yet it's not being consumed. Now the text doesn't tell us and I can only wonder how long did Moses watch this bush and realize, oh, it's not, it's not being consumed. I need to go see 
what's going on here. What could this mean? So Moses approaches the bush. Verse 4 says, When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Again, not normal. We now have a talking fire bush. Can we just acknowledge this is a little weird? It's okay to say that. Well, this talking fire bush is calling out to him. And I just think it's funny, though, Moses responds. Like, what else are you going to do? All right. We'll talk to the bush. <laughs> Why not? I mean, you know my name. <laughs> There's something about this. So, yeah, I'm, I'm here. A little weird. It says in verse 6, Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is, say it with me, holy ground. Holy ground. It's in this moment, and we'll see it when we read the next verse in, in just a moment, but it's, it's here that Moses realizes, because God is revealing himself, you're in the presence of a holy God. Now, before we lean right into awe and wonder and how beautiful and oh, I, I just, I want that. Can we remember who it is that's in the presence of a holy God? It's runaway murderer. It's messy past. It's, I, I probably shouldn't be here. This just went from being a little interesting to, uh-oh, I think I'm in trouble. This talking fire bush is the presence of God and God is revealing himself now and says, hey, by the way, you're gonna wanna take your shoes off because this is holy. I love that. How many of you, when you walk into your house, you ask your guests to take their shoes off? Any, any shoes off people? Others, it's just like, let them ride. We wear our shoes. Wait, God's house, you take your shoes off, right? Not, not here. Keep your shoes on, everybody. But God is just like, hey, here's family values. When you come into my house, like it is holy. He's just, he's just saying to Moses, like, you're in presence of a holy God. And Moses clearly feels uncomfortable. Look, look at the next verse. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So Moses is suddenly having a revelation as God is revealing himself to Moses. This was great when it was a talking fire bush, but now that I know it's God himself, the God of my fathers, who has said, this is holy, I think I need to hide my face. I think I need to cover up. I don't know that I'm welcomed in this presence. I, I love speaking to people and inviting them to church. And, and on, on occasion, I'll get the response, oh, if I go there, it's going to burn up in flames. It, the whole thing. Some of you haven't come to church Today's your first day because you were afraid it would go up in flames. Look around you, everybody. There ain't no fire. <laughs> You're safe. But think about that, that understanding. Moses may be thinking the, bur the burning bush hasn't been consumed yet, but I certainly am going to be consumed in the presence of this holy God. And he's hiding, and he's afraid. But we can't forget two very important things about this moment. The first is this. Who initiated the conversation? Anybody know? Maybe you can shout it out. God. God initiated this. As we read earlier, God was the one in the form of this fire bush that does not consume that drew Moses in 
And then God begins speaking to Moses. See, don't get this mixed up. Too often, with a religious mindset, we'll believe that we have to initiate with God. That somehow I can be the attention of a holy God. And if we don't feel good enough, then there's no way he would ever look to us. And yet here it is, Moses with the messy past, with sin in his life, God initiates. And how does he initiate? Very interesting. It's a bush on fire, and yet it is not consumed. Now, in the Old Testament, God reveals himself in different ways, and fire is one of the ways he reveals himself. And whenever the fire of God is present, it represents the justice of God, the judgment of God, the purifying of God. And yet, with the judgment and justice and purification of God on display through the fire, the bush is not consumed by it. Why? Because God's justice and his mercy are both on display. God's showing Moses a picture of himself, of his name, of his character. Yes, I can consume this bush, and yes, Moses, I could consume you. Yet I'm not. Why? Because God's mercy. Moses knows he doesn't belong in the presence of God, and God is showing him that, yeah, you don't, but you can draw near because I've invited you in. And not only does God invite Moses in, but if we were to read on, we would see that God then tells Moses, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back to Egypt, and I want you to command Pharaoh to let my people go. I, I want you to go there and be a liberator. I want you to redeem the people. I'm going to use you to go back and set these people free. Because they've been enslaved for 400 years by the Egyptians. And do you know what Moses says when God says go? Moses says no. No, sir. <laughs> um, excuse me, Mr. God. Do you know what's waiting for me back there? they may still have on some of the palm trees. I, I, I ran from there. Uh, I got a little messy past. Like, Pharaoh was kind of my grandpa, I think. I'm not too sure. Uh, I'm not, no. And he, and he starts giving God excuse after excuse. I'm not, I'm not equipped for this. I'm not eloquent enough for this. I'm not going back there. They're not going to believe me. No, no, no. And finally, as a last-ditch effort— to say no to God, Moses asks the question that we are asking today. Because let's not forget, this is like Moses' first encounter with this God. I mean, he grew up in polytheistic Egypt. He had tons of gods there. He, he knew them. But who, who is this even speaking to me? What do I call you? Do I go back and say that talking fire bush told me to go? I don't know how it's going to go over. We already have a fire God. We've got a bush God. This is Egypt. So Moses asked the question that we're asking today, because if God's name is a strong tower, the first question we have to ask then is, well, what's his name? So Moses said to God in verse 13, Moses said, suppose I go. I love the word suppose. He's like, listen, we're not signing off on this yet. Okay, fire bush God. It's just hypothetical. Let's theorize. Suppose I actually do this. Okay, I'm not saying yes. But suppose I do. If I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? 
then what shall I tell him? If I go back, suppose I do, they're going to ask this question. And I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me. What do I call you? Now, who wants to learn some Hebrew this morning? You're about to anyway, even if you don't want to, okay? Here, here we go. When Moses asks, like, what, what's your name? And he says, the God of your fathers. Moses is using the Hebrew word Elohim. Let's practice that, everybody. Come on. Elohim. It's not a hard one. So Elohim, when he says that, first, what he's asking about his name, when he addresses this Elohim, he's saying, what's your name? He's not saying it the way I may say to you today if I meet you for the first time. Hi, my name's Keith. What's your name? At that, I'm just asking you basic information, your name. When Moses is speaking to this God who he's recognizing as, okay, the God of your fathers, and he says, what's your name? What he's asking for is, what is your credentials? What have you done? What's your character? What sets you apart from, watch this, from all the other Elohim that I know? Here's why. The word Elohim in Hebrew is the general, generic word for God meaning lowercase God, capital, K, capital G God. It's, it's just the word they would use just to refer to a divine being, Elohim. So Moses is using this language to say, I don't know which Elohim you are. There are thousands of Elohim. And this was a, a common belief even in Jesus' day of people who there's other divine beings out there and they would use the word Elohim. So he's asking with all of these gods or with all of the names that I might know, why should I trust you? What makes you different? And this is where the question needs to become personal for us this morning because you and I have at our disposal hundreds and thousands of Elohim. Thousands of names we could live for. Thousands of gods that we can worship. Thousands of gods that we could say, that's the one I run to. In moment of crisis, in moment of success. In my grieving, in my joy, I run here. So Moses is asking a question we all need to ask at some point. Why should I run to that God? To you, God? What is your name? What makes you different? So Moses asks for us with his shoes off, with this bush, and God responds. Then God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. To which you and I should rightfully say, well, that's confusing <laughs> and possibly grammatically incorrect. Any English teachers, you're just like, oh, that, doesn't, that doesn't compute. I am has sent me to you? What do I do with that? Uh, we're going to learn another Hebrew word, okay? But you got to get the to really, okay? I'm practicing that way. It's eh, yeah. There, eh, eh, like you huck, like, you're going to get it up. Eh, yeah. You didn't know you are going to Hebrew school today on a Sunday. 
Eh, yeah, E-H-Y-E-H. That's what God responds with to him. We translate it over, I am who I am. Your version may say, I am which I am. I am that I am. Here is just what eh, yeah means. I will be. I will be. So you want to know my name? You want to know what kind of a, an Elohim I am? Compared to all the Elohim that you know, here it is. I will be. You're going to go back and tell them, I will be has sent me to you. And that's where our finite thinking wrestles with an infinite God's response to our question. What do you mean I will be? And there's something in us that desires more to the sentence, right? I will be, keep going, <laughs> fi finish your, he's like, nah, eh, yeah, I will be. I will, I will be what? And that's the beauty of Scripture. Remember, what is this moment? It's the revelationful person. And he's giving him as much as he needs in order for him to throw his full weight and trust onto this God. And he says, in this moment, all you need to know is I will be. Now, I'm grateful that the only time God reveals himself is not Exodus 3. He reveals himself all throughout Scripture. So he finishes a sentence. He, he gives us more of who he is, his majesty and his wonder and his name. And for the next three weeks, we'll discover some of those names. But for this moment right now, what God does is he has a personal encounter with Moses. Notice, what did Moses start with? He said, okay, tell him that the God of my fathers, that's impersonal. That's not personal for Moses. That's distant. Yeah, the God of Abraham. I've read about him, how you revealed yourself to him. The God of Jacob, the God of Joseph, and, and, and the patriarchs. Like, but if I go back and just say it's the God of our fathers, and he says, oh, it's more personal than that. I will be. I will be. And I know that sounds disconnecting, but can I, can I share with you right now that you may be in a moment of life where all you need to remember is that God will be. He will be. Here's, here's how he's saying it. Let me give you a couple. When your life feels like chaos, he says, I will be shalom. It's one of his names. I will be peace. When you're in a place of confusion, when you don't know where to go or what to do next, and everything within you is saying move, and God's saying be still and know that I'm God, he's saying I will be Jehovah-Rohi. I'll be your shepherd. When, for some of us, you're so tired of fighting. You've been fighting for the family, for the marriage, for the business, for your dreams, and you're building your name around that, and you're fighting, and God's saying, will you know me as Jehovah Sabah? I will be warrior. Next week, we're going to explore that name. Or maybe you're just sick with bitterness. There is just this dysfunction in your own heart with others. And God's saying, I will be your healer. I will be Jehovah Rapha. See, this is who God wants to be to us. This is who God is telling Moses, I will be this to you, and I'm sending you back with that name, eh, yeah, to go back to the Jewish people and let them know, I've spoken to the one who will be. 
he will be. When, he, when God says that, what Moses understands in this moment is every other God that he has encountered, all the other Elohim, they have a start. They have limits in some way. He knows of Ra, sun god. He knows of the god of the Nile. He, he knows that their, their jurisdiction only happens in certain areas. God is saying, I will be, I am eternal, I am self-sufficient, I am the first and the last, I am all existing. That's who he is. But watch this. For us today, God cannot be if something else is. It sounds great while we're in church. Someone get me a tissue. I won't wave that man down. I'm going to shout, this is awesome. And then I get into my car and I get home and I realize my couch will be more than my God will be. And someone bothers me tomorrow and I realize my name's better than their name. And I'm feeling the pressure and my bank account's the name I run to instead of God. God cannot be personally. Oh, he'll, he'll, he's I will be. Don't you worry about his power. He'll continue to be. But personally, he can't be if something else is to you. You don't get to run to the strong tower and be like, I'll be right back. I'm going to run over to my house of cards real quick, make sure everything's all right. One of the Ten Commandments, we, we learned it. You will have no other names but the Lord's. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. He just, he gets to decide. He doesn't share his name with anything else or anyone else. And so God goes on to Moses and says this in the next verse. He says, God also said to him, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers. Now watch this, because now God's going to connect the dot from impersonal past to present for these people. The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He sent me to you, and this is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. And it's here that God has a personal revealing, not just to Moses, but he's saying, this is for the people that I'm sending you to. And it's in this verse that God shifts a little bit and goes from, eh, yeah, I will be, to the word that you and I may know today, Yahweh, which simply means he will be. So he just Instead of, it's weird. Most like, I will be has sent me to you. No, he will be. I'm going to point up to God. And over 6,500 times, that's the personal name of God that's used throughout the Old Testament. Yahweh. Or as now, years later through translation, is Jehovah. But if you're asking what's the name of God, there is one moment where he reveals his personal name to us, and it's here. And he simply says, I will be. I am. And Moses, who should never get that close to a holy God and, and live to tell about it, is not consumed because of the mercy of God. Because he drew him in. He invited him to know him personally. The same invitation that comes to you and I. Because now we have to ask, well, what about us? That's great for Israel. That's great that God spoke to Moses that way and sent him. But what about you and I? Where is the personal revealing of the I am for us today? With what we've discovered this morning about this holy name. In fact, a name that Jewish people would intentionally spell differently so they wouldn't dare even say Yahweh. 
That's how holy the name was. Allow me to read to you the words of Jesus the Messiah on a day where he is being challenged by his Jewish listeners of not being from God. And they're saying, we don't need you. We have Abraham. We have the God of our fathers. Jesus responds this way in John. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, eh, yeah. And they lose their minds. They lose it. You don't believe me? Next verse. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself slipping away from the temple grounds. You do know if you play a game of hide and seek with Jesus, he wins every time, right? He's <laughs> like, it's not my time to go. I'm not going by stones. I'm going by the cross. I'm paying the price for all humanity because I have come to be the revealing God. I've come to say I am. And now this impersonal God of your fathers has been made personal to know you. To know you. And if you've got murder in your past, and if you feel like today I'm just too messy to get close to a holy God, you are right and you're wrong. That's how John Piper sums up the gospel. Oh, you're right. You and I don't deserve to draw close to a holy God, but you're wrong because he draws close to us. You are way more loved than you could ever believe, and you're also way more sinful than you'd ever admit about yourself. It's the gospel. Jesus dares say, I am, and points to the fact that he is now the personal revelation of a holy God. And on the cross, do you know who's consumed? He is. This, this fire that Moses saw burning and yet it did not consume, well, that is because of God's mercy and it was on the cross that Jesus was consumed for your sin so that you and I might come into the graces of a merciful God. Sin needs to be paid for. Jesus paid the price. And it is not for some. Here's what Scripture says. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. If you're still disqualifying yourself to say, yeah, but it, it can't be for me. It, it, it can't be for me. It, it just sounds too good. Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. And I love that Paul is so specific to highlight in this chapter of Romans, those who would stand on their own Jewish pedigree. Well, we have the fathers. We've got Abraham. We've got Isaac and Jacob. He says in the next verse, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. And here it is to tie it all together about the name of our God. Verse 13. Would you read the whole thing with me? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on his name. In this same chapter, it's where Paul writes, but how shall they call if they have not heard? And how shall they hear if someone does not preach? And how someone preach if they are not sent? For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And this morning, I am so grateful that God has called me to present the word of God to you. For you to hear, my prayer is that you would not just hear and not listen, but that we would have ears to hear what God's spirit is saying to us. For too many, we know the name of God here, but we don't gnosko him. 
that Greek word of truly knowing, of intimately, personally knowing. God is nothing but Elohim to some of us. He's just one of many. He's great on a Sunday. He just doesn't seem to be Yahweh on a Friday. Then it's my way, not Yahweh. That's a cheesy Christian joke, but I had to squeeze it in there at some point. Right? I, I grew up in a church. But for many of us, it's my way, Monday through Saturday. Why would we live like that? Why would we settle for a house of cards when there is a strong tower for us to run to? Here's why. Dr. Tony Evans says this. You can't know his name until you forget your own. Do you know what that is? Surrender. It's confession. It's repentance. It is me coming to a holy God saying, I will no longer live for my name. I will no longer live for the names that everyone around me lives for. I will only live for the beautiful, wonderful, powerful name of Jesus Christ, my King. Surrendering to Him. There is so much that God wants to reveal about Himself to us. And over the next three weeks, we will look at some of His names and how His name meets us in every moment of our lives. But for today, it's to know that strong tower. It's just know His name ask you to bow your heads in this moment as we pray and as we respond. And I want you to, to have a moment of honesty for all of us in this space that as you're hearing his word today and as you're seeing him reveal himself to Moses and then seeing Jesus say, and I am, is he, I will be to you. Have you forfeited the name of a strong tower to simply embrace a house of cards? And, and don't get confused by the fact that your house of cards is good. Family, friendship, a career, stability. Don't, don't let that confuse you. Any other name but the name of Jesus is not a strong tower. It will not last and you were created on purpose, for a purpose, to know God personally, and not to settle for lesser names. If you would, with boldness, join me as an act and a sign of confession to our God this morning. Maybe for you, you have never run to the name of God. You've never put your faith in His name. You are living for someone or something else. Maybe for you, you know of God. He's Elohim. But if you're honest, you don't know him personally as I am, as I will be. Or maybe you have a head knowledge of I will be, but your calendar, your worries, your bank statement, your, your thoughts throughout the day, your responses, they reveal he's not the name you run to. There's a place for all of us to respond. And remember who we're responding to holy God who is merciful. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask, if you're, if you're there and you're saying, Pastor Keith, I, I just want to keep running to his name. Life is inviting me to run to lesser names, but today I'm running to the name of God. Would you raise your hand with me as I pray as a sign to God to say, God, I love you and I choose your name above all names. Thank you for inviting me to run to you. 
Father, in this moment, we are humble before you. With our hands lifted and open before you, it is a sign of forgetting our own name, of surrender, of responding to your invitation to know you. We call on your name today. We look to the God who saves, who rescues, who makes us new, and who says, run to me. God, this week, when we are tempted to run in other directions, may we, may we be reminded of your word that we've heard this morning. We are invited to run to you. In Jesus' name, we pray and we say amen.